What's up, everyone? Welcome to Creator Support, the show where we answer your questions about the business of being a creator. Today on the show, we are talking about 12 lessons we've learned from 12 years of being on YouTube. We also talk about our experience at VidCon, the announcement of A-B testing on YouTube, and we discuss walking YouTube, a very interesting genre on YouTube. All right, if you make it to the deep end, let us know. All right, back from VidCon. First live episode of Creator Support. Yeah, what an experience. That was an experience. First of all, thank you everyone who came to that. That was really cool. To do this show live in front of people at VidCon um, was really special and to meet all of you. And one of the biggest uh, teams that, that showed out for that was the Discord team, meaning literally the people who work at yes. Discord. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Thank you, Discord, uh, for coming out to that. And thank you guys for supporting this show and sponsoring this episode. I want to talk about something that Discord launched before we get into the rest of the show, which is server subscriptions. Now, when we first started talking to Discord about doing a partnership, this was something that we were really excited about and a large part of why we launched our Discord, because uh, we knew it was coming. Server subscriptions is essentially launching paid tiers inside of the Discord where we can actually gate content. So we can launch a media channel where we have BTS content. If you're a subscriber, we can have different tiers. We can even do gated access to live stages, which we've been doing a lot of. And the split with Discord is 90-10. So creators get 90%, Discord gets 10%. So here's why I like server subscriptions. Hit me. As a YouTube creator, you want to intimately get to know your audience, right? Yes. Before you end up launching anything that they can transact with. 100%. I believe the same thing applies to community. Mm -hmm. Discord is where we truly get to understand our community. We've added channels, we've done live AMAs. We can actually understand what's valuable. What would someone want more of, right? Yeah. And then you can put something in place where there's a paywall. And I think people kind of don't think about the fact they that, you, that need, opposite. Yeah. you need to understand community before you can start charging for anything. Yeah, when we launched the Discord community, it was kind of like, we have an idea of what it could be, but the community takes it yeah. and says, here's what's valuable to us. And so now we can gauge that and say, okay, here's where the community has taken things. And not only can we look at that, we can also just ask because yes. we have a built-in community, mm -hmm. and say, hey, what do you guys think would be cool for a server subscription? Now, there will always be free channels that you can engage with, right? Like, we have no intention of making the whole thing gated, but I think it would be cool to have BTS content, videos, um, show you stuff that maybe, like, only a specific group of people are interested in, mm -hmm. maybe some gear stuff. Conversations that maybe don't make sense for the creator yeah. support channel, but do make sense. I have a lot of interest in experimenting with different types of content. We were with Ali Abdal recently and I, I, I want to share some stuff that I'm really excited to share and I would love to test it in a community that's uh, not only like a safe community to share, but also one that's asking for those things. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, I think subscribing to something and like paying for something is the best vote of saying, I would like this, right? Yeah. I, the, I find this to be valuable. And the great thing is if you don't want to pay for it, you don't have to. Yeah, you there's know. an element of accountability there when you pay for something. Yeah. Similar to paying for a gym membership. You're mm -hmm. like, I should go to the gym. And I feel like with content, there's a similar type of thing where there's an accountability to the creator as well yeah. as to yourself. Are you happy with where you're investing your time and your money? Mm -hmm. And it makes the connection to the content, I think, that much greater. Because you are weighing those options, right? You're like, yeah. I'm paying for this, so I want to give feedback. I want to make sure it's really worth my time. Yeah. So we are planning to launch server subscriptions. Um, we're playing around with the media channels right now. And they also have a server shop where you can sell like downloadable things. We could sell PDF, you can sell worksheets, you can sell templates. 
Um, so all in all, it's really cool that you can build a community and then, like you said, build value into that community. So stay tuned for our server subscriptions. And if you're a creator and you want to learn more about how you can use Discord or you want to learn more about server subscriptions, we put a link to their blog post in the description where you can learn more about it. All right. Thank you to Discord. So VidCon kind of kicked off some thoughts between you and I. You know, not only of like this VidCon felt really different to me. We've been going to VidCon since 2017. Um, where you and I walked in, had one meeting with Nestle where they told us we were like moderately in shape. We may have to explain that now that, no, you've, let's now just, that you've brought it up. Let's just leave that and move on uh, and walked right out. But now like, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a marker of like the midway point to the year. It's a marker of a lot of reflection on the industry, a lot of reflection on our own experience and felt like this would be a good episode to recount lessons that we've learned. Yes. Now we've been on YouTube for 12 years. So we figured we should do 12 lessons. Six it, from you and six, six from, me. from me. What? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Six from you and six from me. Yeah. Okay. So let's start sharing them. Uh, you're going to share one. I'm going to share one. Uh, and we're going to riff on these. And then we will get to your questions in this episode as well. Okay. So number one for me, yeah. biggest lesson. If you're going to start YouTube, I think you need to have some sort of element of visualizing what it will look like down the road mm. or manifesting it. Because mm. even for you and I, when we started, there was some sort of belief that we would be successful, that we could eventually build a team, have an office. Yeah. From very early stages, we knew what it meant to hit some level of success. And I think you have to believe that it can happen, right? Even us mm -hmm. being on stage at VidCon, speaking yeah. with YouTube, things like that, you have to believe that that's possible if that's what you want, right? Whatever your version is. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. I think uh, one thing that we did early in our career is we literally took pen to paper and um, wrote out what the vision for a perfect day in our life was and week in our life um, of like, where are we trying to get to? What should our days and weeks look like? Mm -hmm. And then actually drew with pen and paper what our office looked like mm -hmm. too. Just like, what does the perfect office look like? Where do we want to go every day? Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think like, you know, there's a nebulous concept of making it. Yeah. What does making it mean? You have to define that for yourself. And many times you're trying to build something that's never been done before. Like whatever you're going to do is not going to look like what someone else is going to do. Yeah. So no one else is going to believe it for you. Like you have to have that belief mm -hmm. first and foremost. All right. My number one. What do you got? Is directly riffing off of a quote from Rick Rubin. Okay. Because how could I not? I thought maybe you'd go in like a harsh analytics no, perspective no, no, and be no. like, your so CTR no, needs no, to be above no. 10%. Uh, number one is it's a practice and you just have to commit to getting better at it. Mm. Um, so there's a quote from the Rick Rubin book where he says, living life as an artist is a practice. You're either engaging in the practice or you're not. It makes no sense to say that you're not good at it. It's like saying, I'm not good at being a monk. You're either living as a monk or you're not. We tend to think of an artist's work as the output, but the real work of the artist is a way of being in the world. It's kind of the premise of the whole book, but I think that's true of being a creator and it's not about being outcome oriented, mm. right? Like when you, when you come into being a creator, which you want to be really careful of, uh, and what I think sometimes we struggled with early on was being very outcome oriented of being like, I want the outcome of this video to be X. I mm -hmm. want, uh, the outcome of this career to be money. I want like these outcomes to happen when actually it's just a daily practice and part of that practice is just discovery. You're like letting the world unfold in front of you, but that only happens if you're just in the daily practice of like 
the minutia of, is this video good? Mm -hmm. Is this story good? How could this hook be better? Is this frame good? Yeah. Is this thumbnail good? Like that's, that's it. And, and to this day, 12 years in, that is what we do here, you know? And like, all we do is, is the same thing that we did before. We're just better at it. And this moment we will be worse at it than we are in five years. Yeah. And all it will be is a practice of this craft of making videos and posting them to the internet. I like how Rick Rubin also uh, talks about it as- Wait, you like Rick Rubin? Love. Anyone know that? <laughs> that I'm a big Rick Rubin fan? Uh, he Do you talks, think we could get Rick on the show? I would like-, like uh, I'd love that. The, the, the funniest thing is like, Rick Rubin would not work in a YouTube thumbnail, in my opinion, I don't think, but would be the most enjoyable conversation to have. And I think that's why we should try and get him on Yeah, the show. I would love to talk with yeah. him. Yeah, like he's not like a YouTube native creator to interview, but I think he has impacted us so much that we should- we should explore getting him on the show. I mean, if it's possible, yes. We or talk interviewing about him, him. We talk about him enough. You think he's just annoyed? He like listens to the show and he's like, oh, stop talking no, about me. I, <laughs> I think Rick Rubin uh, is not listening to the show. Yeah. Wow. He's like standing what? barefoot in like a, a field. I don't know, Getting man. in tune with himself. What do you know? All right, I next. Um, well, what I was going to say real quick is that he talks about creativity and being an artist as uh, being aware. And there's yeah. another quote from that book of, he says, focus on what you notice, but no one else sees. Yeah. And I love that one because uh, it is so true that like the practice is actually just being aware of how you feel, stories you want to talk about, what you think is interesting mm. and what's going to inspire your work. Yeah, also just aware of like when you're looking at a story, like what are you noticing? What is your unique perspective? That's the only way to stand out on YouTube is mm -hmm. to become really in tune with your own thoughts on this thing. Because yeah. otherwise you're making the same video as everyone else. He makes an analogy of, you know, imagine if you went throughout your life with the same awareness of as if you were landing a plane. Yeah, the same focus. The same focus yeah, as if yeah. you were landing on, a plane. On every task. Yeah, on yeah. every task. The things you would recognize. Never landed a plane, but I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. All right, number two? Yeah. Number two is that good art is irrational and mm -hmm. that there's a big difference between what you want to make versus what you have to make. Mm -hmm. And specifically, I'm talking about this physical newspaper. Yep. If you're we, listening, Colin's holding a physical published press newspaper that we made. Because it was really cool at VidCon to see people reading it, to see how well it was received. And we had a conversation with John Green Yeah, about it. And he was asking, you know, do you want to do this monthly and make it a subscription thing? Yeah, he was like, this could be a good business. This could be a yeah. good business. Yeah. And I was like, I, I don't know. I was kind of hesitating on my answer. And then he goes... Well, yeah, that's going to totally change how you feel about it. Yeah. He's like, it's fun when you want to make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can make it exactly how you want to make it. Mm -hmm. He goes, but it probably changes when you have to make it every month. Mm -hmm. And he's right. It does change it. You start to make different decisions uh, when you have to make something as opposed to when you just want to. And mm -hmm. I think when you're a creator, sure, there will be things you have to make. But it's important to always recognize the, the want to make. And can you stay in that pocket of this is what I want to make? I actually don't think that, because this is number three for me, so I'll just read it off. I said money complicates things. Uh, you need an engine and a creative outlet. Be aware of what happens when you commercialize your creativity. Um, Hold on, I'm just writing down mo money. Mo, mo problems. problems. Yeah, that's, that's actually, just in summary, that's what it is. Okay, great. But um, I actually think you need both. I don't think you can fully remain in the pocket of like, I want to make this. I agree with that. I actually think you need both. You need, like creatives need deadlines, creatives need constraints, uh, creatives need to make money. But I think you have to separate like 
uh, I, we used to say this a lot to young creatives that we'd meet with. If they had like a passion project, we'd be like, save that one for yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't try and sell that one. You know, if you have a list of ideas and you're like, that's the one I'm really excited about. Don't try and sell that one. Yeah. Don't, don't, you know, get a sponsor behind it. Don't do it. Just be like, that one's for me. I think that's like incredibly crucial. Um, but you do need an engine. So you also need to observe the industry and be like, what's a commercially viable, you know, version of my creativity that can get out there on a regular basis, mm-hmm. get me, you know, paid, give me a good foundation to go pursue the irrational creative stuff. Yep. And sometimes you also need an audience to do that stuff. Like it feels better to create with an audience. So like totally find that engine that's bringing you audience and monetization mm-hmm. and then find time. You know, that's the the next hard thing is to find time to explore those creative outlets. That was my number two or my so number three. Did sorry. you do number two and number three or? No, no, no. I haven't so done you still have to yet. do number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Number two is pick an audience and community that you truly want to provide value to and that you are a part of. That's probably the most important. The most important thing. I mean, I don't know what you have coming next, so maybe it's not the most important, so keep listening. You don't know my list, man. Yeah, I don't know your list. You don't know my list. But that truly is, if you want this to be fulfilling, if you want it to be also probably commercially viable, you have to focus on an audience that you want to serve over the long term. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think also it's just like everything comes into full picture from a purpose perspective when you care about the audience that you're providing value to. Mm-hmm. Everything. You know, you're, you're like if you deeply know, then you're also filling a need of your own because you're part of the community. Mm-hmm. And every time that we've experienced that, we've been in like lockstep with our creativity, um, especially, specifically on YouTube because YouTube is this dance between what you're making and what the community is watching. And so if you actually honestly are like, what I am making right now is valuable to these people. And I know that because I am one of these people, you will feel good about your creativity. At least me, anytime that's not been true, it's felt really weird. I also think from a business perspective, it safeguards you a bit from, you know, the possibility that videos don't start performing or algorithms change or things that are outside of your control from a video perspective. Mm. Uh, if those things happen to you, you're still a member of this community that provides value. Yeah. Think back to lacrosse network. If all of a sudden our YouTube channel was taken away from us, we were still very active members of that community. Right. And there were so many ways that we could continue to provide value Mm -hmm. and be a part of it. Same with the career right now. If you take away our YouTube channel, we would still very much be involved in this community. This There's is the, so many this is the things that we that could do. Part we could of. work yeah. for companies that work with yeah. creators. We could work for other creators. We could yeah. do consulting. Like there's so many things you could do. Yeah, we are actually a part of this community, which makes us care about the community. Yeah. And that, that, like it also makes me understand who's on the other side of this piece of content. And it's something that in 2019, when we essentially quit. 2019, and, uh, 2016, man. No, no, no. Oh, oh 2019. No, no, no. 2019, oh, 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 when we quit oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Colin and Samir YouTube channel yeah. and both started looking for jobs. I was very unsure of what type of job I could get or where I could provide value. Yeah. And it wasn't until really 2021 with the interview show where I said, oh, I was like, I kind of understand now. We'll mm-hmm. be fine no matter what, at least yeah. within this community. Yeah. Are right, you want to go next or you want me to go next? Sure, I can go next. Okay. So number three, what I've realized, you're not working on a YouTube channel. You're working on yourself. Like so much of this process Mm -hmm. has been about Mm self-discovery and everything, whether it's competition or hitting milestones like a million subscribers, it's always been more interesting to see what it means about me and what it means about us than uh, seeing like the true growth of the channel. Yeah. In the Conor McGregor doc, which I told you about, um, he talks about like competition 
Mm. And he was like, when you're in the ring and like, or if someone beats you or if you're feeling like jealous, like you're actually not competing with that person. You're competing with the emotion inside of yourself. You're trying to temper that emotion enough to get you back into the space where you can compete at your best. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really interesting, you know, exploration of like on YouTube, when you have a video that underperforms, it's like a gut punch. But what you're competing with is actually that emotion and being like, can I pick myself back up and try again? Yeah. Is the question. And like the discovery of self of like, am I this person who can do this? Mm -hmm. Um, And you're just, again, back to like the practice, you're getting better at dealing with all of this Mm -hmm. and getting a deeper understanding of why, yeah. why do I put myself through this? That's what it is. You it's know? completely a process of understanding why. Why am I this per- Why am I the way I am? <laughs> like truly, like when we hit a million subscribers, once the dust sort of settled on that, I started feeling like a desire to do something else, mm-hmm. to like some hit some next milestone. And then you realize, oh, I'm someone who needs a milestone. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a metric right. always, but I, I have now grown comfortable in you know, hitting some sort of long-term goal. Mm-hmm. And then that's something I'm, I'm going to need another one. Yeah. Like you just start learning things about yourself. This one is topical that I have. It's my number four um, because we're about to take breaks, uh, but it's, you can take a break. And then I wrote, actually, you need to take a break. And the thing that I have realized, I said this to you earlier this year, it's like uh, our most creative project won't happen until we take a break. Um, I actually think you have to step away and experience something brand new. And that brand new might even be rest and like calming your nerves or creative energy mm-hmm. down, tempering that to then come back and experience something. Like I think we forget about the kind of like kinetic energy of like a slingshot. You know, like you you have to pull it back for it to get released. And the further back it gets pulled, the further it gets released. And I think taking a break as a creative is kind of like reloading the slingshot. Mm -hmm. But you have to like remove everything and actually do something different. And I felt it for the first time last year when I went to Europe for three weeks. That was one of the most uncomfortable things I've done in a long time. And even like, you know, today, the day that this comes out, I'm on a plane to London. I can tell you right now, I'm horribly uncomfortable. I'm sitting on that plane and I'm uncomfortable. I'm like, like on my phone being like, what's happening? Do I need to do something? Our, our Mr. Beast episode is out. How's that doing? You know, like what's the next project we're working on? Who's the next person we're interviewing? How's the next edit going? What's happening on Slack? Like what's happening on Discord? I'm just, I can tell you that I'm going to be going a little bit nuts on that plane. But once I settle in over the next couple of days, I will come into a new version of myself that will be more creative. Yeah, you have to make space for yourself to have something new you want to talk about or new that you want to pursue or new yeah. that you want to make. And it has to develop separately from me. Totally. Like and, I, you yeah. know what I mean? I need to also be yeah. away and experience new things I want to talk about, new mm-hmm. things I want to make. I used to think that it was to, to make it, it was actually who could work harder than the next person. You know, like it, it, like I would pride myself on the fact that I could stay in our studio overnight and work and I didn't need a break. But I'm, I'm recognizing now that like, it's not just this like self-compassion of you need a break. It's actually like, if you want to be a better creative person, yeah. you need a break. Mm-hmm. So you have to build it in almost like an athlete needs recovery. Like you have to build it in. It has to be a part of your thing. So I think that's like a huge lesson. It's, and also we took a four month break at the beginning of this year. Channel's doing better than it's ever done. 
well, main channel. We took a four month break. I'm saying from posting. From sorry. posting. So like, but we were still e- working. Even the anxiety of posting. And within that, we were also posting creator support episodes. Yeah, yeah. So I'm saying the main channel. Like, the main channel. Yeah. My, what I'm saying there is not. We took a break. I'm saying if you have anxiety around not posting, it's unfounded oh. in my opinion. Yeah, it's unfounded because. Mm. We took a four-month break from posting on the main channel, and it's the best it's ever performed right now. That brings me to number four, which is I think brand is more important than reach, mm-hmm. especially in the long term. You know, thinking about uh, what does your brand stand for as a creator? Is there iconography that people understand? You know, with Dream, it's like the mask and the green, or with Casey, it was the sunglasses. I think making sure that people will remember what you stand for and your ideas, even if you go away for four months is important and not just chasing space on YouTube's homepage, right? On their browse features, Mm -hmm. like truly holding a place uh, in someone's mind. Yeah. You have to think about the sentence that someone says when they talk about you. Like if someone can't really describe you, if they're like, oh, he makes like viral videos. That's the worst place to be. Yeah. Because you're just, that could be anyone. Yeah. My number five. Everything is an experiment. Nothing is permanent. That is true. I think back to interviewing Ty Verdes on the main channel two, three years ago. And he talked about how this version, Ty Verdes, you know, has clicked and it made him into a pop star and he, he hit it. But he had like 12 different artist names before that and like different things he was trying out. And he was just like, you can just try everything out. Mm -hmm. Nothing is permanent. You know, and I think uh, there was times in our career where we would try something or have an idea and I would think that like, oh, I would get anxiety if like on the third episode I didn't like it because I'd be like, ah, now we've committed to this thing. Yeah. But everything is an experiment, mm-hmm. everything. And it's a constantly changing experiment. Um, and you're trying to like get signals from the experiment at all times and decide on what to do next. I think that's like, that's a really important thing. It's nothing is permanent. Whatever we look like today might be completely different from what we look like in two years. I think it was Schultz that said this on the podcast. And again, I'm paraphrasing, but he said like, people only know you for what you give them. Yeah. And, you know, we used to make so many update videos and tell people we're going to make this now. We're changing to this. We're going to that. And it's just like, you can just relax. Yeah. Because whatever you're actually putting out in the world is what people know you as. Yeah. Right. Like what? God, the update video. What a classic YouTube. Yeah. I, you don't see them as much anymore. I, I mean, it's good that those are those are kind of going those away. Those are kind of going away. I I'm always I always have a craving to make You one. always want to make the yeah, update I love video. I love making an update video. I think, and then generally Chris and I are like Yeah, yeah, like stop it. It's okay. Yeah. It could be a community tab post or a tweet. Yeah, yeah. But I love an update video. I know. I know. Because yeah. One day I'll make one. I'll make one. I'll just update people on things. Sure. When you're on vacation. There are and a lot I'm of people here. watching right now who yeah. would and listening who would love an update video. Yeah, maybe I'll just post on Samir and Colin or on... on uh, In Discord. In the Discord. Maybe I'll charge like a bunch of money for a it. Paid, a paid <laughs> like server I, subscription paid just for updates from Samir? Just for Samir's <laughs> updates. He's <laughs> like, today I'm That's making good. this type of smoothie. Yeah, yeah. Today I've I've chosen to wear this corduroy shirt, which I really so I've didn't switched think toothpaste about. brands. <laughs> I actually have recently. Exactly. I was yeah. just a guess, but I yeah, assumed. But you yeah, you're always searching yeah, for a I'm new toothpaste. I'm always searching for a new paste, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, I think I'm at number five, right? Okay, I'm at number six, so I don't know what's happening. Okay. Go ahead. So number five is that you need to have an understanding of what it means to be validated. And for me, my definition of validation is that validation comes when my idea turns into something that matches my taste. Mm. Wow. You want to clap for that or maybe like uh, some of these, you know? One snap. One a couple a snaps. A lefty snap. Okay. Um, 
That's a really good one. Say it again. Validation comes when my idea turns into something that matches my taste. Yeah, that's really good. So there are many times when you're making something and you work really hard on it and it feels like you're pushing a boulder up a hill because you can't get it to match something that you really like. Mm. And this whole journey has been about developing taste. And taste, I think, is one of the most important things you can have as a creator. Mm -hmm. An idea of what you like and what you don't like. Because that's what will eventually separate you from everyone else. Totally. And sure, you know, when other creators you admire tell you that they like what you're doing, that helps. Yeah. That's great. And normally it's because they have similar taste. And then below that, I would say, is viewership. Mm -hmm. But viewership can have one of the biggest highs. Yeah, I Even though I don't rank it when it comes to validation the same as like, do I like it? I think I'm I have a more fear-based relationship that, with viewership than a than like a good relationship with it. I'm yeah. more afraid of it than anything. Um but I would say my validation comes from when like people I admire recognize the work. So I guess it's similar to what you're saying. If they share the taste and they think that what we made, you know, like at VidCon, talking to Anthony Padilla, talking to John Green and having them be like, I like we like what you're making. Yeah. That to me is like Super cool. Or like, you see that uh, really nice tweet from uh, Courage? Yeah. Yeah, that was just super nice. He, he was just saying like, he, like, guys, he like yeah. listened to the two-hour Try Guys interview yeah. and said that like we did a great job asking mm-hmm. questions. And I was like, just like people who are res- respected and that I respect like uh, saying that, you know, we did a great job. That that to me has always been something I've been interested in. Yeah. That type of validation. Um, I think for me though, I've, I've realized recently that that's a step below like myself. Sure. You know, even with this yeah. published press newspaper, when it was done and when it came and I looked at it, I was so proud of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I get scared to release it. Mm, Same with yeah, the yeah, Mr. Yeah. Beastburger documentary. I was so happy with how it turned out. Yeah, you were gun shy to hand these out. Yeah, because it was just like, that's going to change how I feel about it. Even mm-hmm. though once we handed it out, people liked it. Yeah, I, oh, I see. Interesting. You know? Yeah. yeah, that is really interesting. I think like this whole career of being a creative is like holding up a mirror, right? So you're like, you're talking about self-discovery. It's like, you're almost like, I think- there's probably some like psychology around people who are creative and want to create things, um, having an interesting relationship of like understanding themselves. Cause Mm -hmm. like this newspaper is a mirror. It's you looking at something and being like, that's me. That's something I made, you know, or even like viewership and validation. It's just like, am I anything? What are quantifiable ways for me to find out if I'm something, Yeah, you know? And maybe I'm like really far into psychology there, but I, I've been thinking about that quite a bit of like a lot of creatives grow up with this confusing relationship to validation and then pursue creativity to ask the question, what am I? Yeah. I mean, with every, with every upload, it's hopefully I like this. Do you like this? Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think yeah. when creators uh, experience mm-hmm. the most amount of trouble, is yeah. when they're making something they actually don't like, yeah. but they're doing it from a metrics mm-hmm. or a money perspective. Um, all right, my last one, number six. Take inspo from weird places, especially off of YouTube. I, I took an experimental film class in college that was like really weird, but it was really illuminating to understand like just different types of creativity. And I think back to when we first started on YouTube, so much of what we were doing for me was inspired by skate videos on VHS tapes. Mm -hmm. And what you brought in was ski videos. You were really into like the ski community when we first started. Freestyle skiing. Freestyling skiing. And like- Which was directly inspired by the skate community. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like ski and skate is what we brought to YouTube and to like a field sport um, in lacrosse. And I think that 
you know, sometimes I just watch YouTube for weeks mm. and then you're just like in this world of inspo from YouTube about YouTube and you're just like caught in this cycle. And I think looking at where you can take inspo from, whether that's books, newspapers, um, watching a weird old movie, you know, like finding inspo from places, um, I think is like so crucial from mm. the weirdest places could be like vinyl, you know? Yeah. Could be anything, but just find inspo in weird places. So then you have that. to go do weird stuff. Be weird. Be weird. Yeah. Get weird. Get we real weird. Yeah. If you think you're weird, get even weirder. Yeah. You know what's weird? What? The grimace shake trend. <laughs> to, okay. All right. Do yours. No, and then no, we'll no, talk no. about I, that. I've like, yeah. I've, you know, let me. Yeah. Do, we can get do, into do that. Your six. But no, I, no, no. Do your six and then we'll talk about the grimace again, shake. Again, I'm, I'm a Rick Rubin on the weekends type no, you're guy. Not. Don't yeah, I'm not. I don't even know what this is. Yeah. But that's just because you're out of the loop, not because you're a Rick Rubiner. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I take offense to that. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, all right. Number six is that YouTube is a ticket to the extraordinary. I know we've said this before, but I feel like uploading YouTube videos, you never know who's going to see it, what's going to happen, who's going to reach out. You're reaching out to me with my first video. The amount of videos we made early on that you couldn't believe who saw it, even if it had a small amount of yeah. viewership. That type of thing has compounded over time, but it has stayed the same that uploading a YouTube video is one of the most unbelievable ways to put yourself in a position for just something to happen, something mm -hmm. unexpected. Mm -hmm. And I think it's what keeps you and I both uh, uploading and publishing videos. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's the thing that I want to hold on to the most. Mm -hmm. That's why we'll do it no matter what, I yeah. think. It's, it's not because of anything else outside of it's like creating is really fun and interesting and the craft is great, but it also unlocks the world in a completely different way. Yeah, I mean, you, you listen to, to Tim Ferriss for years and then- All of a sudden he's sitting here. We're talking about yeah. Rick Rubin. He's freaked out because we talk about him too much <laughs> and he won't come on the show, but someone else will. Yeah. All right, you so want, those you are, want, those you want to talk 12. about Grimace? Those, <laughs> those are 12. Those are 12. We don't have to talk about the Grimace shake, but- um, You want to try and explain it to me? Like yeah, Samir explain explains TikTok sure, trend? Sure, sure, sure. But those are our 12 lessons. If someone maybe in the Discord community can recap those in bullets, because <laughs> yeah. I, I lost track of where we were. Um, but those are the things that came to us top of mind when we both sat down to think about six things. How about the fact that we didn't double up? We didn't even talk about this. Yeah, we kind of did on one of them. They're a little about, about money, but like, yeah, it was pretty good. We didn't double up. That was good. So we actually came up with 12 ideas. That was yeah. pretty good. All right. Um, okay, Grimace Shake. So Grimace Shake is- uh, Pitch me on it. Is like a purple shake at McDonald's. Yep. And uh, the like Gen Z meta on TikTok is like starting out with like a really fun kind of like, hey, just got the Grimace Shake from McDonald's. Going to try it out. And then they take a sip and then hard cuts to like an absurd- like thing of them like covered in purple like all on hell the ground. breaks loose basically all hell breaks loose okay. yeah it's very funny so and the grimace shake is a real thing at mcdonald's yeah, right now yeah 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 and there's some that are like so well edited like like almost like a horror film there's one where okay. a guy so this is drinks, the new wes anderson basically like yeah, wes anderson yeah, yeah. has been replaced he's out grimace, grimace shake, shake is yeah in. there's there's one where a guy takes the sip and he's like smiling in his kitchen and then it cuts and it's just the empty kitchen and the lights start flickering. Oh gosh. And then he turns into like the ring girl and comes out of the pantry. It's like- I got to dive into this. It's super funny. How does this um, stuff start, man? I don't so know good. where it starts from, but it's so interesting that brands must be, you know, like they, McDonald's can't engage with it. They can't, because they can't be like, keep doing this. Because some of it is weird and crazy. It's horror content. Yeah, it's like yeah. horror content and absurd. But you humor. know, it's driving up the sales of the Grimace Shake. Without a doubt, it's like yeah. the Minions trend when people like rented out full theaters to go see Minions. Like, yeah, it's crazy that TikTok can drive commerce just by people wanting to make a joke, you know, and yeah. participate in a trend. It's something that Kevin Locke has said on the show, which was like, virality comes from participation. 
which I think is really interesting. True. And it's no longer- When people are using content as conversations. Yes, and it's yeah. no longer like viral videos. It's viral trends because people want to participate. True. Sounds like we're in the deep end. We're actually not. We haven't answered a question yet, Colin. Well, every episode can be different. I mean, how whoa, long has whoa, it been? Whoa, Maybe whoa, we're in the deep whoa, end. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Let's talk about A-B testing before we okay. get to the, All the right. deep end. I'll man. save some of my deep end stuff. Um, you and I helped announce A-B testing on YouTube. Uh, thumbnails. Now you can, you'll be able to put up two thumbnails. And, um, you know, that's getting rolled out to more channels soon. Um, and probably will be rolled out to everyone in the next year or so. But- Chucky from Mr. Beast team tweeted out about A-B testing. And one thing that I really liked about this was the way A-B testing works is it gauges, it picks a winner based on watch time. So it's not based on how many people clicked it. Mm. It's based on which thumbnail was the most accurate, like yeah. which one led people to want to watch longer. Which is how it should be. Which is how it should be. I think that's just, uh, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm like speaking... Like, I just expected it to be based on click-through rate. Yeah. But I guess it makes sense that that would drive a lot of clickbait. I understand how people would think that it's all about just getting people in the door. I mean, yeah. I remember the first time we spoke with Mr. Beast, he said that, like, people won't watch. People don't watch. No, if they don't click, they don't watch. If they don't it's click, such they don't a simple watch. quote. That right? was a simple yeah. one. Yeah. Watch that one. But the reality is, it's not about just getting them in the door. It's about, yeah. you know, is it a realistic interpretation of what's inside so that people are satisfied yep. with what they're watching? Okay, let's answer a question from the Discord. Go for it. I thought this one was, was interesting. How can walking channels monetize outside of AdSense? I'm a creator and a large consumer of walking videos on YouTube. If you're unfamiliar with this format, it's a long form, 20 minutes to one hour video of a person walking through something, often a city. I haven't seen creators successfully monetizing outside of AdSense, but I've heard on the pod that many creators' AdSense is less than 15% of their revenue. What approaches would you recommend to monetize? So YouTube's number one walker yeah. in my mind is Let's Craig Adams. Walker, Texas Ranger. Walker, Texas Ranger, <laughs> as no one ever has called him. <laughs> Craig he, Adams. He's primarily, uh, actually, it's entirely hiking content. So it's not walking through a city. It's it's going on a hike. Um, but it's long, slow-paced. And from my understanding, he makes money through affiliate links of like what gear did he bring on the trip along with potentially hiking guides and branded content. There are sometimes ads uh, in those videos. Yeah, I like affiliate links. I like uh, ad integrations. The one thing that I really like on this, tourism boards. Hmm. Tourism boards spend a lot of money to try and get people to their cities. Yeah. So I wonder if you could reach out to tourism boards, like reach out to, um, let's just say the Vancouver, Canada tourism board and be like, these are the types of videos I make. Would you pay for me to walk through your city. X amount of people watch them. They want to live vicariously through me. I can tour your city by walking. So I would go a little old school and think about like, you know, almost like a freelancer. Like, can mm -hmm. can this client pay me to make this video? But I also come with distribution. Um, I think it'd be a great way for like city tourism. Like I saw today, uh, today a billboard for Albuquerque, New Mexico here in LA. And it was like, it's at our kind of traffic jam. And it was like a really beautiful scene of um, these like floating, what are those called? Like hot air balloons. Yeah. And it was, you're sitting in traffic and you're like, I'd rather be I'd there. I'd rather be there. But that billboard is paid for by the tourism board of Albuquerque. So they have a budget. You could reach out to them and be like, hey, I'll walk through Albuquerque. You ever been to Albuquerque? Absolutely. Twice. ABQ? 
ABQ, man. Zendo coffee, best cup of coffee I've ever had in my life. The Turkish coffee at Zendo. Just going to shout that out wow. for all my Kirky folks. You trying to get my, a deal with the tourism board? <laughs> yeah. Listen, all my, all my, all I'll, my, I'll take a personal deal with the Albuquerque tourism board. All absolutely. My, all my Kirky turkeys. <laughs> man, you were trying to say that for a while. <laughs> I just wanted that one yeah, out in the world. It's like, all my, all my, all my, all my, all my, all my. Um, what about, hold on, before we move on from yeah. walking content, what about breaking down the bigger trend of why do you think people want to watch someone walk for upwards of two to six to 12 hours? Because some of these videos are really long. You've, you've gotten into walking content, right? You sure. I'm curious. Like, yeah. I'm, if there are I, people who I are don't, for the first time hearing about sure. walking content. Yeah. I don't personally have the patience for it. Like I can't watch it as something as that's my primary thing I'm watching. I can watch it as a secondary or third screen where it's like we sometimes put it up on our in our office. Like we've put mm -hmm. up Craig Adams videos. It's beautiful. It's like it's like having the fireplace thing up from yeah. YouTube, you know? I think that's it. It's a secondary screen experience. Mm. But like, I think there might be some people who really watch it. Watch every like, frame? Yeah. You don't think? No, I'm sure there's probably someone who's seen every frame of Craig Adams' hike. But Yeah, it could also be something you watch when you're like riding the Peloton, like a bike, you know? Like an exercise bike, you're like watching it because you're like in a more beautiful place. Yeah, true. Or on a Stairmaster. I don't know. Or just, a rowing machine. Yeah. Or a elliptical. Those are all possibilities. Those are all possibilities. Yeah. Uh, there's a question in the Discord about, is there any way for us to get the published press newspaper even in a PDF format? It looks awesome. Yes, there will be a way to get the published press newsletter. What News, I'm planning newspaper? on- Newspaper. What I'm planning on right now is putting a limited amount of them up for sale. Mm-hmm. And then a limited amount available through the referral program of the newsletter. Their question is PDF format. PDF, I'm not going to do. Wow. Nice. It's made to be wow. held and read it's in made person. made to be held. Yeah. Yeah. So. Also, you know what? I like that because it's scarcity and rarity. I think those are two things that we need to value heavily going into the next chapter of the creator economy. Be more scarce and be more rare. I'm also personally not a fan of reading PDFs. No, I don't like PDFs. So. Yeah. I don't want people to go through that. Speaking of PDFs, I'm going to answer this question and then we can enter the deep end. Okay. Hey, Colin and Samir. Hope you guys are doing well. My girlfriend and I started a platform where we support local arts through our YouTube channel. We conceptualize new creative live gigs and record them and release them as episodes. It's called Resound Magazine. My question is to both how to secure a sponsor for a big project. We have an epic artist lineup, great concept, and all the companies we got in touch with love the idea, but somehow not able to secure the amount. I'm talking about a budget of $12,000. Um, okay, cool. So this is basically like li a live event series that's also being cut up and put on YouTube. Um, in terms of securing a sponsor, you need to develop a PDF. You need to make a really good pitch. And the most important version of this pitch is uh, deeply understanding why there is an alignment between your mission and the brand's mission, your value proposition, their value proposition, your audience, and their audience. You got to make sure those things are aligned. Like, and you have to present that in a compelling way that makes them want to read it and makes them feel that this is the perfect opportunity for them. Now, additionally, you have to know if the sponsors you're reaching out to spend budgets like that, you know, and that might be through scouring and being like, who are sponsors of other live events with our same audience? Let's just focus on reaching out to them because they actually have someone at the company who is willing to spend money on something like this. So I think you have to like do a lot of research into are they actually aligned? And then you have to present them a story that's compelling enough to say, if your sponsor, if if you sponsor this, you're part of this, 
you're actually going to talk to the audience you want to talk to because I have that audience. We may or may not be working on a course like that. There it is, is, yeah. You know, built based off of some of those concepts and theories. And um, I'm like very much in it right now. But I, 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 feel, I have very strong feelings about how you pitch a brand. So yeah, I would say make it clear visually how you expect the brand to show up in mm-hmm. the programming. Yeah, it's a good. When, idea. where, what it's going to look like. Yeah. All right. Now we are in the deep end. Ah, oh, good. Finally. Nice. Yeah, we okay. are here uh, in the deep end. Yep. With a gripe from Triple Cross John. I've been binging creator support for a couple of weeks. Yeah, okay, I've read this one. And I have a gripe. My gripe is that Colin often says something like, can I have a gripe? I haven't had a gripe in a while. When in fact, he's just had gripes and said the exact same thing (laughs) in the previous three episodes. Okay. Y'all probably don't notice because of the production schedule of creator support, but it's funny when I'm binging the show and Colin says I haven't had a gripe in a while, but he literally had a gripe 20 minutes ago for me, the listener. P.S. Not a real gripe, but just something I found funny that I wouldn't catch if I wasn't binging old episodes. First of all, thank you for binging. Well, this person also doesn't understand the frequency at which I have gripes. Which is? A lot. Very often. I'm a man full of gripes. Are you? You never have one. Not on the show. Oh, but, but just in general. life. Oh, oh, oh. So sometimes oh. when we record, it feels like I, I haven't see. had a gripe in a while. I see, I see. Okay. But if you want gripes, I got gripes. I got one. I got one. Hit it. The moment, I put this one on the Discord, the moment your zipper decides to no longer zipper and then you've got two sides that are completely open and you keep moving the the zipper back and forth. Terrible. But it's not being a zipper anymore. Terrible. Mine is Adobe Premiere. That was my gripe. Did you have one? Last week. Oh, God. If you're binging this episode, I'm so sorry. It was a gripe and a delight. But this this gripe is like, you got a big episode, you know, our our interview with Mr. Beast, our, our podcast with him. And Premiere is slowing down, (sighs) export issues, rendering issues. It's just like, I just want to make the thing. You know, I don't want to be this technically savvy (laughs) computer whiz. I just want to make the thing. And Adobe Premiere forces you to be like your own tech support. Yeah. It's, It's so annoying. Um, I'm with you. We're, we're, you know, we're pushing like hour, two hour long podcast episodes now that have B-roll and you know, have text treatments and graphics. And I think as we look, I'd be curious, this is a question for all of you who make it here to the deep end. Like what, should we switch programs? Should we be using Final Cut? Should we be using DaVinci Resolve? Like, I think it's probably time that we switch because our episodes are pushing it in length right now. And we're essentially exporting out like a feature film every time we do an episode. Yeah, 4K footage. 4K footage at two hours with multiple angles and graphics and B-roll. Yeah. So it's keeping us, us it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's just how I feel. end. Just end. What there. I did right there is how yeah. I feel. Yeah, yeah. It's keeping us up at night. Yeah, literally. All right. Thanks to everyone who made it to the deep end. Uh, thank you to Discord for sponsoring the episode and supporting us here at Creator Support. If you guys want to check out server subscriptions, the link is in the description. We will see you after the break. <laughs> 